Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad here with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello. Hello, Haley. We're back. We're back. How was your week? Uh, it was quite nice. Um, we uh, took our brand new puppy, uh, Patty, on a, a beautiful hike with us. Um, and, you know, we're, we're just kind of settling into nice weather. It's it's nice that it's getting Happening. nice. Yeah, finally. Um, but, you know, speaking of Patty, you know, so before uh, I tell my story, so this week we're going to be talking about a uh, marriage story, mm-hmm. um, Netflix movie uh, released right before the pandemic started um, a little bit over a year ago, um, starring Adam Driver and um, Scarlett Johansson. And Scarlett Johansson. Yes, thank you. Uh-huh. Um so I'm also dealing with a little bit of a, a relational conflict in my house mm-hmm. right now, not between any people, but between uh, my new dog and my two cats who I've had oh, for man. much longer. Tail is yeah, old they, as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, you always have this fantasy of your animals getting along together and mm-hmm. we've never really had that experience, even with the two cats. Um, oh no. We, yeah, we got our first cat, um, and she was amazing. And then my wife and I were both working a lot, and we got a second cat basically for her. Like, oh, here's mm-hmm. a friend. Um, and they just sort of tolerate each other. Um, yeah. You know, they've gone through good times and bad, uh, much like an old married couple. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, we we bring uh, my daughter into the fold. So uh-huh. in, in order, my our first cat, uh, Boo. Uh, we gave her uh, another cat friend. We brought uh-huh. in our daughter, and now we've brought in a puppy. So she's thrilled with us. <laughs> she's um, like, excuse me, it was great when it was just the three of us. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she felt that way. But so now we have this ongoing feud where, you know, most of the times the, the cat and the, the cats and the dog are pretty tolerant of each other. Mm-hmm. But then there are just moments, and, and this has even happened, obviously I'm doing uh, telehealth therapy in my office where all of a sudden I'll just hear barking downstairs and my, my, my dog is, is for the most part, pretty good. She doesn't bark at people, um, doesn't bark for food, like is not aggressive, but with the cats. So my dog is an Australian shepherd. So she's a, a a herding dog, a herding breed. Mm -hmm. So basically if the cats are not where they're supposed to be, uh, she will make it known to them that they are <laughs> out of place. Um, so, you know, each each cat has its place where it hangs out. And if it's in a different place, you know, my dog, Patty, kind of freaks out. So today it was um, Boo was in the sun porch and Patty could see her through the, the window but couldn't get to her. So she just starts freaking out, obviously trying to alert us that yeah. something was wrong when, you know, nothing was wrong. And, you know, as a therapist, I I like to think of myself as someone who's uh, effective at helping other entities manage conflict. (laughs) And and it's I I haven't found the right thing to make this uh, these relationships work. And it's really frustrating. So as as my supervisor, what would you tell me? How do I help this couple? This it's technically a, a three person couple, but. Yeah. I need some help. Cats versus dogs, the two parties. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. guess I would. What sounds like the puppy just wants them in a place where, like, Patty just wants them where Patty wants them, right? Yeah. So, as far as Patty's concerned, where they are supposed to be, it's not even necessarily where Patty wants them. It's just like there's a, there's a place for everything. Yeah. Like and inside. if they're not in their place, Yes, that's so right. So funny. And then otherwise, like outside of that, they get along really well. 
Well, uh, define get along. I mean, they don't, they're not like aggressive towards each other. Um, yeah. When food is being uh, dispersed, yeah. they'll sit all right next to each other because they're all uh -huh. hungry. Um, yeah. But outside of food related situations, um, they just kind of keep their distance and, and, yeah. and not, you know, not because they um, strongly dislike each other. I just think it's a, a baseline distrust. Yeah. Well, that's so funny because as your supervisor, I was going to say you need to find shared values, but it sounds like mm. you have found shared values, which is feed me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true. If only I could feed all of them nonstop, I think they would be great friends. <laughs> Absolutely. Or another thing you can do. So I trained my cat. I mean, I've trained my cats to do a lot of things, but one thing that I really trained them to do is to like being brushed because um, they did Ooh. not like it at the beginning. Okay. And what it was, was I would only brush them when I gave them wet food, which they loved. Or only brush okay, them yep. when I gave them treats. So I did typical like behavioral right. pairing of reinforcement of course. and an yep. unwanted um, situation. And now I get the brush out and they come running. And they're like, brush me. I love it. Oh. Um, Such good association, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was going to yeah, say, it's so, it's... find that for your pets somehow, like shared loving scenario, but I don't know what that would be. Well, no, it's so funny that you say that. So Patty as a puppy gets three meals a day and the cats only get two. Uh -huh. um, so during lunch, when I give another meal to the mm -hmm. dog, the cats are like, what the heck? Um, or is it time to eat? Because we are also, we would also like to eat another meal right now. Yeah. Um, so that's when they get their treats. That's so it does seem to be say. like lunchtime. Yeah. They, they get along fairly well around lunch because it's like, uh -huh. oh, you know, they see Patty as the reason they get a little bit of extra food or a little bit of extra treats during the day. So that, that's usually the peak for them all kind of coexisting. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and then it kind of falls apart. So we're, we're going to yeah. keep working on it. I, I, I have gotten a trainer um, for my dog. Uh, mm -hmm. So we've done some virtual sessions and I'm hoping we can work on coexisting with the cats, but I really, it's the problem is that it's not the dog's fault. She's coming into a new situation. I think generally she's pretty friendly. She's cuddly, yeah. but she wants to cuddle and probably chase the cats and the cats understandably, uh, smaller than this puppy. <laughs> uh -huh. Don't trust the dog that, that she just wants to cuddle. Um, yeah. so there's and they're a lot also of pissing like, and swiping. You just want yeah. to chill and you're so high energy. Yeah. Can you not? <laughs> well, not only that, but over the pandemic, a lot of pets have had to adapt, right? Because yeah. they go from, you know, hours and hours a day on their own or, or in different situations. And then just everyone's home all the time. Yeah. And bringing Absolutely. more and more people and creatures into the fold. Yeah, completely. So I always, I, say, I do empathize with them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I always say to my patients, like when it comes to behavior, animals and humans are not that different. So, you know, find out what reinforces which behaviors and find mm -hmm, yeah. value in those things. And that can help fix so many scenarios with so many different levels of animals. So I shouldn't just lock them all in a room with a bunch of food and treats and, and hope <laughs> that they figure it out themselves. I mean, that might work, right? Because you're reinforcing time spent together. I'm not, I'm not, right. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure that it won't work. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure know. it won't work either. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to some human uh, conflict. I think yes. uh, will be an interesting continuation of this discussion um, right after this break. Hey everyone, Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi, say what's up, request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode. Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. 
We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. Marriage Story is a 2019 drama written and directed by Noah Baumbach, who produced the film with David Heyman. It stars Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, with Laura Dern, Alan Alda, Ray Liotta, Julie Haggerty, and Merritt Weaver in supporting roles. The film follows a married couple, an actress, and a stage director, Johansson and Driver, going through a coast-to-coast divorce. Mm-hmm. So it's called Marriage Story, but it is very much about the end of a marriage. Yeah, very and much I, a divorce you know, story. Really, I wanted to, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a harder title to be interested in, though, I think. Uh-huh. Um, so I wanted to start a conversation actually with the end of this movie, um, which is a song that Charlie, Adam Driver's character, uh-huh. is singing um, in like a very stereotypical New York City piano bar. Uh Um, where someone's playing the piano and he's like, oh, I know this song. I'm going to go up to the microphone and sing it. Yeah. And the song is Being Alive, uh, a song by Stephen Sondheim from the show Company. Mm -hmm. And um, if you want to take a second and play that song, it's actually very good. Or even you could find the YouTube clip um, for it from Adam Driver's performance because it's, and and obviously all the performances in this movie are incredible. But the, Mm -hmm. the song that's sung at the end is, is fascinating in the context of the movie because Adam Driver sings um, someone to hold you too close, someone to hurt you too deep, someone mm-hmm. to sit in your chair and ruin your sleep, mm-hmm. someone to need you too much, someone to know you too well, someone mm-hmm. to pull you up short, someone to, to put you through hell. Mm-hmm. And it goes on and on. And, you know, you hear this song at the end, you know, knowing that this couple has gone through a divorce Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting. It makes me think of, you know, what these people were expecting as they were going into their marriage, what their mm-hmm. needs were, what their expectations were for what their marriage was going to be, because it mm-hmm. feels like over the course of the movie, we learned that either those expectations were very different or they changed. And, you know, how relationships manage that adjustment, I think, really speaks to uh you know, kind of what we see and how this particular one breaks down. Yeah. Well, and I think that question that you're asking is the exact question that the movie starts out with, right? The mediator asks them like, what brought you into this marriage, right? Like, why did you like the other person? What were your expectations? And we, you know, right after those narrations end, we get like the, oh, we're not in that place response, right? Because Nicole goes, no, I'm not doing this. Nicole refuses to share the things that she loves about Charlie, even though we hear her narrate it in the movie. So we hear what she's written, but we don't see her share that with Charlie. And she also doesn't want to hear what he has to say either. Right. She doesn't want to participate in this exercise at all. It's clear that she is out, even at this stage, which we're just sort of catching up to um, where this relationship has gotten to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that idea that you have of, um, you know, what, what were they expecting or what brought them into it, I think comes down to this idea of what's important to you in this relationship and kind of continually checking in with yourself of a, is it the same and B, is it being met? Um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I used an example today and I said to someone like, if you were still obsessing over Lisa Frank with your third grade best friend, I would be concerned about that relationship because it hasn't grown at all. You're an adult woman, right? Um, And in the same way, you know, if your, your values in your relationship will probably shift and, and grow hopefully um, and if they don't, I think checking in about that more regularly rather than ignoring it um, until it blows up and to the point where you're like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore without kind of the lead up to that. Yeah. Yeah. So we see Charlie and Nicole in this um, and we only get the one scene of, with them in the mediator's office. 
Um, and it is mm-hmm. sort of like a therapy setup where they're they're trying to kind of dig in a little bit and have a conversation. And, yeah. and, you know, the person is ultimately trying to help them through their divorce by, mm-hmm. I think he says, more or less, like trying to figure out why they got married in the first yeah. place. You know, very honorable, understandable goal. But, yeah. um, you know, both parties, it, it requires at least a, some degree of commitment participation from both parties to to achieve that goal and this is a Mm -hmm. common theme in couples counseling and even though we didn't see a lot of couples counseling in this movie we'll we'll definitely talk about it a lot just because we're seeing such a fascinating breakdown of a couple Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and I think the interesting thing about that scene with the mediator is um it's not explicitly said that he is or is not a therapist right it's just he's just given the title of mediator um, yes. And that question is the question, right? Of like, basically, we see at the end of the movie where um, Adam Driver hears the letter finally because the son is reading it while he's practicing. Yeah, that's right. Um, and it becomes very clear like, maybe having done this from the very beginning might have changed the way the story looked. But she wasn't in a place to want to. Right. Right. And, and how the story looked, I think is such a fascinating question, right? Because I do think this movie is sort of, the story is told in a way that it challenges us to take sides. It challenges us to, try to understand both perspectives of, mm-hmm. of each member of the couple, right? Yeah. Um, I, I had the, the, my experience watching this was almost like this going back and forth of like, where did this relationship break down? Like, what was the problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and naturally it's like, who's to blame? You don't want to, to cast blame on any one person or one act, mm-hmm. but you are trying to figure it out like a puzzle, like what happened here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, we get bits and pieces of, um, you know, Nicole feeling kind of unfulfilled and, and overly attached to Charlie's um, uh, lifestyle and, and career. Mm-hmm. We obviously learned Charlie uh, has cheated and Nicole found out about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's lots of layers to uh, their respective unhappiness. And, yeah. you know, I think one of my questions for you as we're jumping into this movie is, you know, would you have wanted to work with this couple as we kind of see them at the outset? You know, would this be a couple that you would have had um, a sense that they could work on what was going wrong? So that's two different questions, I think. Would yes, I have wanted to work with them? And do I think that they're a couple that would be willing to work on it? <laughs> um, yes, two questions. I, yes, I would have loved to work with this couple and my very first session would have been like, okay, are we here to improve the relationship or are we here to end the relationship? That would have been my first question. Um, so basically like, are we here to figure out a way to, um, make this work or are we here to figure out how to end this in a reasonable, meaningful way? Um, and depending on their answers to those questions would have depended how my work looked. Um, but I'm a sure. values based therapist. So I always kind of mm-hmm. go in with like, well, what's the value, right? What's, what do we want here? What's important about this that we're doing? Right. And, and I guess if you got that sort of response from Nicole, where, mm-hmm she doesn't necessarily want to participate. She doesn't necessarily want to, um, make it work, you know, how do therapists, um, respond to that sort of difference? You know, assuming you have both people in the office, um, right. How, how would you, um, yeah. Kind of have that conversation with them. Yeah. So one thing that you and I, um, both kind of know, and we spoke about it a little bit before is in couples therapy, individuals are not the client the relationship is the client, right? Um, And so the task that was being asked of them was to kind of um, look back and kind of rehash the relationship or like 
you know, remember the good parts about it. Um, and she wasn't willing to do that because I think she came in wanting to end it. Right. She had obviously already, um, planned to file because it was a mediator, um, rather than a therapist. Um, and so the answer to the question would have been like, I'm here to end it. And so then the direction I would have gone is, okay, what do you want this divorce to look like? Um, Mm -hmm. what's important to you about how you interact with each other through this divorce, how you interact with, um, your child during this divorce. And I would find that out from both of them, um, and make sure that they were on the same page about those values and be very clear and direct about like, okay, do we agree that the details don't matter so much as this direction? Um, because I also think, yeah, yeah, because I think ultimately that also would have changed the whole movie because what ends up happening is they get caught up in the details that they forget about the values. Um, both of them want an amicable end. Both of them want to have it be loving and kind and focused on Henry. However, they get caught up in the details of the divorce and the fight and the who's winning that they forget all about those things that truly matter to them, even to the point where while it's happening, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's a sad movie, right? It's, it's hard to watch um, because we we're seeing this sort of start out where, you know, we can see that there's tension, but uh, to your point, we, we see a couple that it appears at least in these initial stages that, they agree on how they want this process to go. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, initially there's no conversation around lawyers. We're just going to kind of do this amicably. There's not a lot yeah. of stuff to separate. Um, you know, it's just kind of going to kind of be cut and dry. We, mm-hmm. you know, we have a sense that they agree about how this is going to go. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we see some attorneys start to enter the picture, right? Mm-hmm. So Nicole goes back to her, mother's house with mm-hmm. uh henry their son mm-hmm. um and is pointed in a direction um by a friend i believe it was um oh yeah, just just meet my uh, meet this attorney that i know yes that's yeah. right um just you know meet this attorney that i know and and kind of see what you think mm-hmm. and i guess i'm curious what your impression of uh nora was um mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole's eventual attorney, because mm-hmm. as a therapist, you know, we're we're happy. At least I was. I'll speak for myself. We're happy that Nicole is getting some of the the validation and support, maybe that she's been missing. That she kind of uh-huh. gets to tell her story and she gets to, um, you know, have someone validate her feelings. Uh-huh. Did it feel at all to you like it was a little bit more than that, though? <laughs> yes. That's sort of a leading question. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, to me, no moment, there was no moment where it felt like sincere validation, right? It felt like validation aimed at, look, I'm on your side and I'm going to get you therefore on my side so that I can win this for you. Oh, but I'm, I'm winning it for you. Like that's the vibe that I got from it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and she kind of does this, like, I want to hear your story because your story is what we're going to use to win and get as much as we can from him. And then she's like, I don't really want that much from him. And she's like, of course not, but you deserve it. Right. So kind of saying these validating things, but they're not validating in the way that they're truly hearing what she's saying. They're validating in a way that is a leading question, right? Leading validation, leading her in the direction of, I know you say you don't want to fight him and take stuff from him, but like, really you want to, and I'm here for you to do that. Um, Yes. It's, it's like the worst version of what therapists do, which is essentially reflection, right? We're mm -hmm. reflecting back the feelings that we would be hearing from our, our patient, for example, in session. Mm -hmm. 
and Nora is doing that, but then adding a little bit of spice and adding this, yeah. the kind of words that are going to lead to conflict. They're going to lead to escalation as mm-hmm. opposed to just keeping it focused on, you know, what Nicole is actually saying that she wants. Um, yeah. You know, there's no language around winning or getting from Charlie um, until Nora is introduced. Yeah. All the language, if you listen to that first interaction, all the language is around the hurt and the disappointment that she experienced in the relationship. And a therapist, an individual therapist, right, would have stuck with her and been like, yeah, like that sucks, (laughs) right? And then maybe yes. would go like, and how do you want to move forward? How, what direction do yeah. you want to take this relationship? What direction do you want to take your life? What Nora does is, yeah, that sucks. And this is the direction we're going to take it. We're going to get you payback for all the disappointment you've ever felt in this relationship. Yep. Um, and so now suddenly it becomes about this, you know, goal like this this goal uh that is not a meaningful goal or value for her um just a flat out we're gonna get this thing that you didn't even want and because it comes wrapped in such emotional validation that she hasn't received and isn't even receiving from like her mother right like her mom is even like sure. but charlie's so lovely loves charlie um, yep yeah so she's not getting this emotional validation anywhere. And so the minute she gets it, she's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yes, you understand me. And then that feeling yes. of you understand me translates over to you understand what I want, which is not actually what she wants because Nora is turning it in the direction of what she wants, right? To be this lawyer who continually wins. Yeah, and it, it's really hard because it, it made me wonder, you know, if uh, if Nicole had gotten this validation and, and to a certain degree empowerment in the context of therapy, not even necessarily in, in couples counseling, but in just mm-hmm. therapy for herself, mm-hmm. how valuable that would have been for her to, you know, to communicate her needs, yeah. to, to decide what she wants, to, um, yeah. you know, figure out a path forward that she was happy with, whether that was divorce or not. Yeah. Um, but to kind of get some of that support and be able to do some of that work before she ends up in the situation that she ends up in, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm wondering if you asked her, you know, at the end of this movie, hey, how do you feel about this, how this all played out? You know, would she have been happy with the degree that it went to? Yeah, I think she right, would where not. She was essentially confronted for alcoholism and like all these very yeah. extreme things happened. Yeah, it becomes very clear to me that, like when it's Jay, so the really swanky male lawyer versus Nora um, in the courtroom, it becomes very clear that neither Nicole nor Charlie are happy with how it's going, but they're both so caught up in it that they both just kind of let it keep happening. But both of them are hurt by the other person, but then also super uncomfortable about what their lawyers are throwing at the other person. Um, And that moment for me was really meaningful because I think so often if we go into a fight wanting to win, rather going into a fight trying to solve a problem, we get caught up in that kind of thing, right? Where it's like, I say things I don't mean and I'm hurtful, even though I don't want to be, I'm just so caught up in the winning. And that is illustrated beautifully, particularly in that scene. Yeah, and, and we, we see that this is a couple that's capable of uh, emotionally honest and vulnerable communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and, and the whole movie, I'm just like, they just need to talk to each other. Why don't they talk to each yep. other? I'm sort yep. of yelling at the at the movie of just like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and look, uh, uh, Nicole has every right to be mad at Charlie, to maybe not want to talk to him and, you know, for, for wanting the things that she wants, but it just feels like this could have been resolved in such a easier, maybe not easier is maybe not the right word, but um, way that would be more uh, civil, reflective of to use civil and, and to use the word use the reflective of the values each of them have. Yeah. It sounds to me like right? you As picked to sides. Got to. Well, <laughs> I think, I think this is, 
so it's not so much that I pick sides as I was really, 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 really wanting this relationship to work because I, um, I've done a lot of work with kids, uh, uh-huh. basically like Henry. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, had a lot of conversations with people in the midst of custody battles and in the midst of court mm-hmm. uh, disagreements and all these sorts of things. And, and that's often the time when I'm involved is, um, oh, well, you know, our son or our daughter or this or that is really struggling with this process. That's like, okay, well, yeah. maybe the process is the problem. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's what, where I was coming from was just like mm-hmm. so sad for the relationship itself, but also for, for Henry, yep. you know, and he seems either pretty oblivious or pretty resilient to what's going on. Um, but you just know that this is going to be a lifetime of, of challenge, a challenging yeah. lifetime um, for the three of them to f- continue to figure this out. So, yes, I mean, um, yeah. was I picking sides? I, I was feeling the desire to shake both of them and, yeah. and much like my dog and two cats, just kind of stuff them in a room and tell them that I'll bring them all the kale salads that they want until yeah. they've had an honest, emotional, vulnerable conversation. So I think it's very clear in this movie that um, it's written with the adults in mind because that child role Henry's role is written in my mind so poorly like sure that when when Adam Driver's character and Charlie has cut himself and he's lying on the kitchen floor and Henry just walks in and goes dad are you okay and he's like yeah and then he gets milk and then walks back to his room I'm like all right like this kid is old enough to recognize that that is not okay behavior he would be so much more worried unless there's some kind oh my of God, like, traumatizing yeah. like yeah and like unless there's some kind of like empathy issue with henry he would recognize that there's a huge problem here because dad mm-hmm. lying on the kitchen floor like that is not appropriate and kids are really observant of that kind of stuff <laughs> um but that made me yeah, be and, like and all right movie... that's not about henry <laughs> Yeah, and the movie does kind of go back and forth with trying to empathize with each uh, of Charlie and Nicole of like, oh, well, let's, you know, oh, man, let's let's show Charlie and his struggling theater company. Mm -hmm. And and this is this is sad. Oh, but now look at Nicole and she's, um, you know, uh, frustrated with where she's at in her career. And this is sad. And they're both Mm -hmm. experiencing all the the sadness um, really separately and they're not yeah. really talking to each other about what they're experiencing. They're just negotiating yeah. terms through their attorneys mm-hmm. to whatever degree that ends up being successful. Yeah. It's hard Absolutely. to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, what you had kind of said and what you're speaking to now, which is like, I wish they would just sit in a room and talk to each other. And there's that one scene where I don't know why she comes over to his apartment without Henry, but she does. It's the fight scene, like the, you know, the climax, that like fight scene where he like hits the wall. Um, Yep. That conversation would have been really meaningful and functional with somebody, an impartial person sitting down and reflecting it for them. Absolutely. Both of them were sort of listening to each other, but for the first time, they were both expressing to themselves, to each other, what the frustrations were with the process and with the relationship and all that stuff. If there had been a therapist there at that time, that would have been um, a really functional fight. Like, I think a lot of healing and growth would have come from that conversation. Yeah, because there are so many layers in that conversation, right? From um, Charlie, the reference to Charlie's father and Charlie mm-hmm. not wanting to be like his father, um, to um, Nicole's sort of acknowledgement of just being a part of Charlie's happiness and not really mm-hmm. having her own. And couldn't he think about her happiness for once? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much like, you know, to use a phrase like meat on the bone there for them mm-hmm. to, to really process some things in a, a healthy, productive way. And it, it climaxes with, 
uh, instead with Charlie, you know, punching the wall and, and telling Nicole that he wishes she were dead, yeah. um, which is its own emotional vulnerability. And, and um, to Nicole's credit, um, well, yeah, to Nicole's credit, she, she's able to stay in that moment with him, know that even if even though he's saying this very hurtful thing that mm-hmm. that's sort of more reflective of the intensity of his emotion and less reflective of what he actually wants right now. Mm-hmm. And she's able to stay with him in that moment. And, and it's a really powerful scene. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like this movie is so well acted and, and so raw. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, it it's, it's the outcome that I guess is common right like this happens in relationships but you're just rooting so hard for this this conversation to be more of what happens in the relationship than the lawyer conversations oh yeah i do those lawyers and the triangulation (laughs) with the lawyers is such an issue right like what what i find is so interesting so there's the three lawyers right there's nora and jay who are the two swanky ones and then there's bert spitz he is the only one who has the relationship in mind and has essentially the values in mind, right? Henry in mind and like the, what is, how is it that you want this to go? Essentially the questions I said that I would ask kind of, right. And because of that, in the context of them focusing on the fight rather than the solution, he gets kicked out immediately. Right. Because He's not there for the fight. He's there for the solution. Right. And as Charlie says, I need my own asshole. Right. I need yes. someone to fight for me. Um, which unfortunately makes it even worse. I don't know that it would have been so great with Nora and Bert, but it definitely got worse with Nora and Jay. Yes. Well, as soon as, as and you pointed this out, as soon as it was a conversation between Nora and Jay, everything is just escalated, escalated, escalated. Mm-hmm. You know, they're once they want the the money from the Genius Grant and yeah. and the accusations of alcoholism, and it's and you you just know that if you went back to that initial conversation about like, yeah, this, I think we can we can resolve this ourselves. Just you know, yeah. uh, you know, it can be really easy and friendly. And if you had sat there and told those two crazy kids like hey if you guys both go get attorneys like this is the point that it's going to get to that mm-hmm. you can imagine them just being like well we don't want that why would we do yeah. that that's a terrible idea mm-hmm. or um if they yeah. had been able to identify their values right and how yes. they wanted it to look and were clear and and intentional about those things they would have ended up with two attorneys like Bert, right? So um, sometimes attorneys are needed. I think almost always attorneys are needed for divorce. Oh, of course. It's a matter of finding one that works for you, not finding one where you work for them, which I think is ultimately what happened here was it became about Nora and Jay's fight. Um, And they got caught up in it to the point where Henry became a bargaining chip rather than their child, right? There's a lot of like, this is my night. This is my time. This is like, oh, well, I'm taking him trick-or-treating. I guess you can have him afterwards, right? Like a lot of like me, 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 rather than maybe we want to put some of this aside to, you know, put, put, Henry first um, because again it became about the fight and Henry was just a bargaining chip right Henry's in school in LA Henry was born in LA Um, Henry used to live in New York he grew up in New York and it was those became facts about why each person should win not facts about why certain things might be important for Henry yeah yeah. Yeah. I, like um, I was saying, you know, you sort of wonder what the, who, if, you know, if they had gone to see someone else instead of attorneys, um, therapists or not, you know, what that outcome would have looked like differently. And I think it's, a, it's an interesting opportunity for us to talk about some of those different sort of um, couples counseling mm-hmm. therapeutic approaches, because I think that would have looked very differently with this couple as well, depending on sort of what 
type of therapist they uh, ended up with, with what sort of therapeutic approach they would have ended up with. Yeah. So um, I had sent you an article. So I think this, this is, this is really interesting where, you know, obviously for individuals, um, there are a host of different approaches you can get with a therapist. Yes. And, and then with, with couples, obviously there are many options as well, but Mm -hmm. the sort of, to use a word you use sort of triangulation of that relationship can Mm -hmm. end up with some very different um, sort of paths being taken. Um, so I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, on just a couple of these, because I think it's, it's really interesting for people to think about in case you don't know what couples counseling looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the article, uh, that I had sent you, um, it starts out with, um, EFT, which is emotionally, uh, focused therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, was that one that you're familiar with? Uh, in terms of individuals? Yes. Yes. Sure. Yep. Yeah, and and the the one that I really like, which is the next one they reference, is is called the Mago therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Imago, I think, is Greek for the image. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, in uh, the training that I've been with Imago, the sort of uh, central tenet it really focuses on communication and listening and it's really a lot of active listening and reflecting Mm -hmm. you know literally they'll they'll have a couple do exercises where you know one member says something could be anything like Uh i want to spend more time in la and then the other partner would say i hear you saying you want to spend more time in la (laughs) yeah and then the person would say yes that is what i'm saying thank you for reflecting that back to me and it sounds ridiculous when I describe it like this, like what a oversimplification simplification of communication. But mm-hmm. I really think this is the kind of communication that was missing in this relationship yeah, where they're right? just not communicating with each other about you know, either what they want or what's missing or what mm-hmm. they're uh, upset about. And all this stuff is getting lost in the sauce. Yeah. And it's what Nick- Nora gave Nicole, right? Like Nora yes. was like, I hear you say that you would rather be here and we're going to make that happen. Right. Yes. And she gave her what she needed in order to fill that goal. Yeah. To yeah, me, and then the I other one know, that I, yeah, I don't no, know. No, Imago, Imago therapy. I don't know it. Um, but the way that kind of you described it and the way that the article kind of described it, um, feels as though it's either similar to or falls under the realm of like attachment based therapy, which is mm-hmm. kind of this idea that attachments that you learn in childhood and growing up um, often play a large role in how you attach to relationships as an adult. Definitely. And, and we get some hints from Charlie and Nicole's uh, relationship about what those um, childhood relationships might've been like. You know, mm-hmm. we see, uh, we don't see any of Charlie's family, uh, which I think is also probably intentional. Um, and then we see Nicole's family being pretty tight. Um, you know, uh, her mom yeah. and sister are very uh, supportive. And uh, uh, definitely her mom loves Charlie and sort of is yeah. is hesitant to uh, blame him or push him out of the family unit. Um, in fact, actually recommends uh, Bert, the the first attorney, to uh-huh. Charlie. Um, and it's just fascinating with all these um, interpersonal dynamics, um, you know, how that probably influenced the way that this couple communicates, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. And so the other therapeutic approach that I, I would think would be interesting for this couple is narrative therapy, which is... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pretty straightforward. It, it is what yeah. it sounds like, which is sort of identifying the story that's being told um, mm-hmm. about yourself or about, in this case, the relationship, um, and to be able to describe from your perspective what you see is happening or what is the story that's happening here, um, and the degree to which you are happy or unhappy with that story, how you want to change the story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that can and be really I powerful we, to know how the other person yes. is seeing what's happening. Yeah, because you see some hints of, you know, each uh, Charlie and Nicole being sort of either surprised or upset with how the other person is describing the relationship. I think at one point Charlie says, um, Nicole was happy. She just 
decided to tell herself that she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's each member of the relationship is is trying to, uh, you know, land on a story where they're not the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they are not the person that's sort of the the cause for the breakdown. Yeah. And I, that line too really stuck out to me of where he says, you know, you, you were happy. You've just convinced yourself that you weren't. Um, I don't think he's totally wrong with that. Now I do think she is unhappy. Um, of course, however, I don't think she was as unhappy as she now thinks she was because this relationship didn't grow together. Right. She grew in one direction and he, I think, kind of stayed the same direction. And that led to them growing apart. And then her realizing like, oh, I never asked for what I wanted in this relationship. Or I never kind of demanded what I wanted in this relationship. And so looking back, I'm really unhappy. Yeah. And and that's that looking back. It's, you know, what happened. Let's let's tell the story of what happened that... um, is, is always hard, right, in therapy of sort of figuring out how we got here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, and there, there are some other approaches as well, some a little bit more simplified, things like solution-focused therapy, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, things that people might be a little bit more familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, anything, that ju- anything else that jumped out to you um, in those sort of different approaches that maybe could have helped these people? Um, yeah, I definitely think... Um the way that you described Imago um, would be very helpful. I obviously being an act-based therapist would come from it, from that perspective, right? The, um, the values and acceptance-based perspective. Um, yeah. So act for people who don't know um, is, is what, how would you describe that? Um, basically it's understanding that there are certain things that are, in your control and certain things that are not in your control and really parsing those out and then making the things that are within your control, um, making valued, meaningful choices about those. Um, so in couples therapy, it would be the other person not in your control. What is in your control is, um, doing what matters to you. So if what matters to you is, um, doing your best to, communicate that you care, doing your best to listen to their needs, doing your best to um, make this relationship work, right? Um, You can control your actions within that context and you can't control their 50% of it. So you can hope that they meet you there. And with therapy, if you both have the same values, you often will end up in the same place. Um, But recognizing making choices for yourself um, for the relationship, but within your control. Right. Um, yeah. and yeah, making value choices. I think that's ultimately what it boils down to. Yeah. And on the, the issue of control, we see, uh, Charlie in particular struggle with the, the things about the relationship which seem to be slipping away from him. Right. So he's, mm-hmm. it feels almost a little bit naive. Um, you know, as it becomes clear that Nicole is, uh, you know, contacted utilizing a, an attorney, that he's sort of dragging his feet, or even, as I said, naive about sort of how serious and how quickly how serious this has become. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You so know, we see him almost like constantly catching up, right? Yeah. Which is not surprising, right? So at the very beginning of this episode, I said, like, humans and animals are not that different, right? And what we're seeing in, uh, I almost said Adam, in Charlie is essentially an extinction burst, right? So what that is, is when a behavior has been reinforced um, multiple times repeatedly, when it suddenly is no longer reinforced, that behavior becomes like more rapid and more extreme before eventually it dies away, right? And in their relationship, what has continually been reinforced is she says she has a desire or a boundary and then she never maintains that desire or boundary, right? She says she wants to go to LA, but then she never 
asks it of him, basically. Like, she never requires it. She kind of lets him have his cake and eat it, too, repeatedly, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he takes it, yep. right? Like, why wouldn't he? Right. He's getting everything he wants, and he kind of doesn't have to worry about her. Um, and then suddenly what happens is he's no longer – she's again saying, like, I have these boundaries, and he's expecting – for it just to be words, but it's no longer just words. So he kind of ups his, well, I'm just going to keep doing it what I do because that's what I've always done. And he kind of does it rapid fire until he realizes, wait a minute, I'm going to have to change some of my things big time in order for this to work. Um, And ultimately that leads to things um, kind of going more her direction. Um, because he now needs to meet her where she's at because now she kind of holds the um, behavioral power, like not power, actual power, but she's kind of like, I'm here. I've got the kid. I'm not leaving. Um, And he's like, wait a minute. Now I actually have to kind of take you into account a little bit more. And she's no longer interested in taking him into account. Yeah, I think there there are some real clear examples of that, um, some heartbreaking ones. You know, from you mentioned the sort of unintentional cutting incident when Charlie and Henry are are in a observed um, uh, home visit situation. Mm-hmm. Another person that could potentially be a social worker, probably not a therapist, but someone who's you know sort of helping uh-huh. the courts, right? Yeah. Um, man, that is a hard scene to watch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because we, we see the effort to which Charlie sort of puts in to at least put on a good show. And mm-hmm. it's hard because is he doing this for himself or is he doing this for Henry? It's not always super clear. Um, and there's a lot of criticism of, you know, and, and sort of if you read uh, people's takes on this movie of just sort of like, Charlie is just doing all this stuff to, and I think he even sort of says something that he wants Henry to know that he tried. I think he says that to Bert yeah. or, or yeah. to Jay at some point, right? That he wants, Bert, yeah. he wants Henry to know that he tried to, to kind of show up um, for yeah. him in the relationship. What he says is I want him to know I fought for him. Yes. And, and, and is that fighting for him mm-hmm. for him or is it for Charlie, right? Because even like the Halloween scene is really hard to watch also because it's clear Henry doesn't care if they keep trick-or-treating. He doesn't want, he thought know, he's good. <laughs> doesn't want to. Falls yeah. asleep in the car. Yeah. And and Charlie's dragging him around, you know, what looks like various parts of LA to mm-hmm. trick-or-treat because Henry is supposed to be Frankenstein and they're supposed to have this moment together and, mm-hmm. and it's really being forced on Henry. And, you know, you empathize with Charlie cause you kind of get where he's coming from and wanting to still have these moments, but mm-hmm. it's really, it's hard to watch because you, yeah. you recognize that this is a, it's not this is an effort that's yeah. attempt to control, but that's yeah. not really being successful for either party. Yeah. I think, yeah, very hard to watch. I think the um, when the I think it's a social worker, and I giggled when I watched it because I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> like what a yeah. what a horrible representation of adjacent to our field." <laughs> but um, I that scene to me, he's clearly fighting for the right to have his child in his life now. I think it's both for him and for Henry. I think at that point, it's pretty hard to parse out where one starts and one ends. But with the Halloween situation, um, it, that's clearly all about Charlie, right? Like Henry has no interest yep. in doing it and actually like isn't even, again, I think this child is portrayed poorly in the movie, but like isn't even bothered to like have that experience with his dad at all or that his dad missed out. Um, and what I think is disappointing is that, um, Charlie and Nicole have enough positive interactions that she easily could have been like, Hey, why don't you come trick or treating with us? Right. But they're so focused on the fight 
that absolutely that's not even an option. Whereas if they weren't focused on the fight, that would have clearly been the solution. Right, that they could have uh, communicated together for the benefit of, of Henry. Yeah. Yeah. And even and instead of know, just kind of giving a lot of lip service to it. <laughs> yeah. Like even the um, the Frankenstein uh, like ninja scenario. Yep. Um, Debate. Yep. Yeah. Like, yes, ultimately, he should be able to choose his own um, costume. However, of course, I wonder if the at any point, Nicole said like, Hey, hadn't you and dad talked about being Frankenstein? Right. Um, it seems like that never even came up. Right. There was never this, right. She never did it. And I don't think that she did it with Henry of, Hey, like, how do you think dad would play into this? And then he never does it with Henry either. Right. Or with Nicole, like, how do you think? Well, yeah, the only time you really see, Charlie, right. The only time you see Charlie care about Henry's uh, thoughts or references to Nicole is, is mommy dating someone? I think yeah. it's the only time you actually see him talk to, to Henry about Nicole. Yeah. So yeah. Or, or the one time when, oh, mommy's been taking me into a lot of offices. I've been to this office before. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So it's like, that's the only time. And, and you have to, again, we're therapists, but it's like, is anyone actually concerned about Henry's well-being yeah. during this process? Because it really just seems like he's being schlepped around for, mm-hmm. you know, the the egos of the two parents fighting with each other. Yeah, that's my concern the whole time is I was like, they are not taking this child into account at all. Um, yeah. And I, interestingly enough, I don't yeah. think the script does either. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it forces us in this position where we're kind of asking, what if, like, mm-hmm. do they kind of get to the end of, of, you know, in the end of the movie, we kind of see them, you know, uh, Charlie is in L.A. doing some mm-hmm. small theater stuff. They are mm-hmm. co-parenting reasonably well, as far uh-huh, as we can tell. Well. Nicole has a, a new boyfriend. What's that? Yeah. They, they're parenting, co-parenting very well, right? Yeah. The solution, as as that tell. Yep. The solution that would have worked prior ultimately was the solution here, which was come trick or treating with us. <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it just makes you wonder, um, did they have to burn all of Henry's college savings to get to where they ultimately got to? Yeah. And all their dreams too. Right. Like, yeah. um, yep. Charlie's grant money, a lot of it went to paying for mm-hmm. the lawyer fees and, um, his chance at Broadway was burned because he became focused on the fight rather than the um, rather than life that mattered to him. And I think ultimately, with the way things were, he, I think he ultimately would have chosen to have been in LA instead of on Broadway because I think Henry does really matter to him. Um, oh yeah, but it became a casualty of divorce right? The, the Broadway stint rather than a valued choice to let it go. Yeah. Well said. And I think that's, that's sort of a good note for us to, to end on because, you know, if we could have had this couple, you know, turn back time and focus on what was important to them, even if that was just Henry, even if that was just their careers, that there would have been ways to get to, and represent those values in much healthier ways for all of them. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So Haley, let's uh, let's do some reviews of this of this movie. It, it was um, a controversial one. You'll see all kind of hot mm-hmm. takes if you go back to uh, you know late 2019 um, mm-hmm. and and the early pandemic when we were kind of desperate for entertainment. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna let you do uh, you know a review for entertainment value. Okay. Um, on a scale from one to five <laughs> holes in the wall, <laughs> nice. um, entertainment, I give it a two. Um, mm. I hated it the first time I watched it and I hated it the second time I watched it. Um, and I think that's because, um, there's I it I want it to be entertaining, right? And it's not entertaining. It's it's hard to watch. Couple fight, yeah. And yep. 
it so it very immediately starts with light, nice thoughts and feelings, right? The the letters that they never read to each other. But very quickly it becomes tension and anger. And that tension and anger gets varying degrees of worse. Um, and then finally it becomes um kind of like acceptance of the tension at the end. So there's never relief from it. There's never, um, I don't experience any moments of like joy and I don't particularly like any of the characters, not even the child. And usually I very minimally like the child. The sister is ultimately my favorite character. Um, or like anxiety around comic relief. Yeah, like, but it's so early on that it's, like, not enough to get you through the whole movie. Um, but, yeah, I did not like it. <laughs> Hot take. Okay. Well, that's going to happen sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Did you like it? So, I love the performances, and I can put aside my need for entertainment value when uh-huh. something is so well acted and so... Mm-hmm. Um, like compelling like yeah. yes it was sad and yes it was hard to watch but I was locked in the whole time like I couldn't turn away from it um, sort of like a car crash um, yeah. so I don't know I mean it wouldn't it wouldn't be a five out of five entertainment value but yeah. it would get some points for me for um, like the quality of, yeah. of the movie itself so I think the um, the acting right so Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson they play a role in why I give the next rating a fairly high rating. Um, but, but they're them portraying the characters. Well, doesn't add points for entertainment for me. (laughs) That's fair. Totally fair. Okay. So then out of five, um, homemade Frankenstein costumes, you know, uh, in terms of how, uh, let's say realistic or accurate the portrayal was of, you know, let's just say the mental health impacts mm-hmm. of uh, divorce, relationship conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, it's pretty high. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. sad that we didn't get more therapy and, and more um, uh, uh, relationship uh, building type work. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a stark and honest and, and, as we said, hard to watch reflection of... Yep of what does happen in, in yep. relationships in conflict. So from that perspective, I have to give this at least a 4.25 out of five. I give it a five out of five. I think it was pretty close, pretty realistic. Yeah. yeah. As far as the couple goes, I give it a five out of five. As yeah. far as Henry goes, I give it a 1.2. <laughs> okay. So that's a good point. And that's, and that's why I, I left some room as well, because yeah. I think this is a very specific relationship. Like somebody joked, online i was reading through reviews that this is like um a hollywood marriage story like there might not be a lot that's relatable about the particulars of this conflict but i think the emotional impacts and up and downs and and difficulty of communication is very well portrayed absolutely yeah replace the dream of various stage um performances with any other dream um, and it could be any couple agreed yeah Yep. So, yeah, so so that's a marriage story. So, um, Haley, what do we have coming up? Um, we're, we're excited about some some new things we're going to be covering soon. Yeah, so um, coming up, we've got um, The Weight of Gold. Um, it's a sports psych documentary, um, and we are going to have a special guest on that as well. Um, someone who... Our first guest together. Yeah, our first guest together. Um, Very exciting. Someone who can share very specific information about sports psychology and the role that it plays in um, performance and athletes. Um, yeah, you've got that to look forward to. And we might have some other fun, exciting crossover guest type situations after that as well. Some things in the works. And then, yeah. um, and yes, if it hasn't come out already, well, I guess, yeah, so this episode will come out after. Um yeah. 
But if if it has, go back and check out some of our episodes on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. um, the Undoing. Um, lots of good recent episodes that we've very excited to share with you. So Absolutely. please check those out. Um, as always, uh, like and subscribe. And uh, Haley, thank you again for a really fun conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And we will speak to you guys again soon.